This is a Moraine Valley Community College Library event podcast. For more information, visit www.morainevalley.edu slash library. The following is a student panel discussion held by the Moraine Valley Biology Club on February 5th, 2009 as part of the National Teach-In, which was held at universities across the United States. We join this event already in progress. What keeps the earth from being a lifeless ball of ice? Humans are causing greenhouse gases with their levels to increase so quickly that it's causing an average global temperature to rise much faster than it would naturally. Thanks, you guys. Uh, What are some reasons that people reject global warming is happening? Um, I think that some people don't believe that as humans we're releasing as many of the greenhouse gases. Um, People may not want to pay higher prices. For instance, we all know about the energy efficient light bulbs. Well, you can't just go and get four of them for 75 cents. So it is um, a part of your finances. You know, it's something that you have to make an investment in. So going green, you know, it is a good thing, but it's not necessarily cheap. So that might be one reason that people might back away. Um, I think people just don't want to give up their daily life practices like their gas, their fuel, their, like, their, like, AC, I guess, something common that we usually use, like, in the summer, just stuff they don't want to try. And like she said, they don't want to, like, you know, spend a little more money, even though in the long run it will be worth it. I think a lot of people just don't see it right away. They don't see all the global, what global warming is doing now, that they don't think it affects them at this moment. So they're just not willing to invest for something they don't don't see or understand. I believe many people are unclear if man is the actual cause of global warming. Um, or if it is, or if it's natural, some people that I've spoken with in preparing for this um, have said that they make the argument that the Earth was a complete frozen ball of ice that has been melting to this day. Most do not disagree with the fact that the Earth is warming. However, we need to find more exact reasons for the causes. And in my opinion, we simply need more information on the progress and more accurate reporting from the media. I agree with my other peers saying that a lot of people aren't ready to get rid of their everyday uses, but it's not necessarily getting rid of them. It's a way to help keep what they're used to in a healthy way for the Earth. I pretty much completely agree with all of them. Uh, It's pretty much the media, fear of change, fear of reality, and some people just really kind of ignore it in general. I agree that it's giving up uh, comforts of our, that's what everybody pretty much said, is that they're just, um, it's a way of giving up our comforts, and uh, we have to cut back on a lot of things if we're going to make a change, a lot of dedication, so... Thanks, you guys. Good points. What will the future be like if we don't take climate change seriously? Um, the world could cause uh, serious conditions for living, growing food, and uh, water usage. Uh, the preservation of the world is not only good for nature, but also for ourselves. So. Well, 
We could see um, more natural natural disasters occurring, like hurricanes. A lot of that has to do with, you know, the climate and the temperature change. And most of all, you know, our health. If we don't take care of this with the ozone um, continuously depleting, we're going to see more cases of possible like skin cancer and just other things that we need to really protect ourselves and take it serious. I know that we're all pretty young and we might not see like a direct effect, but in 10 to 20 years from now when it will be hitting all of us in our pockets, you know, we need to just really take it serious and, and think about what we could do to help it. Well, to start off with, a greenhouse is a good way because it keeps the weather warm. You know, if we didn't have greenhouse, we would have really cold weather and we'd live in, like, a wasteful land, frozen land. But too much, like, excessive uh, heat is setting a high temperature atmosphere and damaging the earth, making it too warm, which changes our weather in a way, like, winter starts, like, to get a little warm. Like, once, like, just around this weather, Chicago, it was really cold at a certain extent, and then, like, the next day it just got really warm. And like snow was melting, so that's uh, that's one point. And then also increase in vector-borne infectious disease like malaria and Lyme disease. A large number of extinction species due to the climate and like their habitats are just not used to it anymore. So then a lot of species end up dying and not existing anymore. And last point, diseases can spread more widely and they become more common worldwide. And we don't really want to see that. Well, like what she just said about the world getting a lot warmer um, with, like, the global change and everything. Um, what was I going to say? <laughs> um, there would be, like, a more increase of extreme temperatures and extreme weather, like, more hurricanes, more, like, and then they'd be a lot hotter too. So, yeah. This warming is predicted to lead to a variety of negative effects, including melting or the possible disappearance of glaciers and mountain snowcaps that feed the world's rivers and supply a large portion of fresh water used for drinking and irrigation, which would affect us all directly. Lowered agricultural production due to less favorable weather conditions. They would also have less available irrigation water, increased heat stress to plants, and increase the pest activity, as I said earlier, due to warmer temperatures that are all examples of the aftermath of these conditions. But we would also have ticks. Everyone has always gotten ticks. I always get ticks. <laughs> ticks are spreading higher in higher latitudes and altitudes in Canada and Sweden, and mosquitoes are carrying the malaria and spreading to new areas and higher altitudes where they have never been seen before. So without these, they're spreading. And then I also have the National Oce Oceanic Atmospheric Administration estimates that 10% of our coral reefs are already damaged beyond recovery, and 30% of 30% of them are in critical condition and may die within the next 10 to 20 years. Unless significant measures are taken to reduce the stress on coral reefs from human activities alone, 60% of the world's coral reefs may die by 2050. I also agree with them, and pretty much uh, it's going to be chaotic weather, and extreme flooding and drought, and massive deforest uh, desertification. Um, yeah, basically, that's about it. Well, it sounds 
It sounds kind of scary out there. So what would you say to somebody who rejects climate change that it's happening? Um, that, that we have to look realistically and we um, may have to pinch a few things off of our comforts, but um, it's, it's going to be, in the end, um, something that's going to help us, sort of. <laughs> Hopefully, it, it's gonna, it's gonna, we're, it's gonna come through in the end uh, with everything. So, in my opinion on that is basically that that's fine. You can reject it, but you have to acknowledge that the Earth lives in a basic state of homeostasis, and we're obviously having a huge effect on this homeostasis. And uh, the more effect we have on it, the more chaotic the weather will become. And I don't, I'm not looking forward to that. So. Neither am I. Um, I think one thing we could do, I mean, just everybody make small changes, you know, in your life. You don't have to go out and do something, you know, drastic, go buy a biomass generator or anything like that. You could just do the small things like turning off your lights, don't have the water running excessively. Maybe even if you like to drive to school by yourself, carpool with somebody. It's just the small, subtle changes that everybody here needs to make. No matter how much pressure we put on President Barack Obama, we all personally have to do stuff, too, in our own daily lives to support that. So, um, People that... Uh People that say that it's not going to occur in their lifetime, I mean, eventually it is. Like, maybe in 30, right now it's not condition stable, like, right now currently, but it keeps on getting worse. And within maybe 30 years, it's just going to keep on getting worse and worse, and people are going to have to give up, like, their lifestyles or any of that stuff they do in their daily life. And like she said, we may, like, we have a lot of hopes for Obama, but still, we have to do a huge role in our life, play something, do something in our life to make a difference. I agree with what they said. Um, if someone who rejects global warming and climate change, even like the small things, like changing your light bulbs and everything, and as she said, turning off the lights, turning off the water, and even if you don't think that's going to help the environment, it still uh, helps you personally than just the environment. Well, I know some people just can't accept the fact of global warming and it's okay because we don't have as much research as we will in future times however I agree with everybody that there are simple changes that they can do and what I would say to those people who maybe don't accept it is that you know look around you and see the changes I mean just from most of the time people who reject it are of the older age and kind of set in their ways I mean everybody knows someone who's older who's like no this is how I'm going to do it however Saying that things are changing doesn't mean that it's going to ruin, you know, everybody's whole world. It's just look around you and see that, you know, maybe you're a little misinformed or, or don't know all the data or just kind of take a look at how the, even the last five years what things have changed. You can see the differences and maybe just do some research and on your own if you're someone who doesn't believe in it and just see what, what make your own opinion based on facts as opposed to maybe what you see you know, everyone else saying, and I think that a lot of people would see just simple changes like everybody else is saying that would really help our environment and help, you know, defeat, not maybe not defeat, but help reduce, you know, global warming. You guys brought up a lot of good points.
about changing your habits and we need to start looking to uh, renewable energy rather than utilizing and relying on non-renewable energy. So my question for you guys is, will your generation be able to lead the transition in a positive manner to a clean energy future? Um, I like to take a stab at that question first. I think that we will because it was just like, what's your name again? Sarah. Sarah said, um, the older generation, you know, they're not as educated about it. And like how everybody is sitting here, and we really appreciate you guys sitting here taking the time to listen to this. We are going to be more informed about what's going on. So we will be able to make better choices and make better decisions about how we want to raise our families or how we want to live our lifestyles, you know, to make it better for us. So I guess I think like with people that are a little older, they just have no hope. They're just like, ah, my life is ending, you know, a couple of years, and that's it. It doesn't matter. I'm going to be dead by the time, you know, global warming gets really bad, effect happens. But, like, we can make a difference. You know, we know more. We're more educated on this process, so we should make a difference. I agree with what they said. Um, and because we're young now, we have more time to improve the um, entire world and we would be able to learn more about different techniques and technologies to utilize. Well, everybody's heard of renewable resources and, you know, everyone's seen, you know, solar panels somewhere. I mean, changing small things to solar panels or even such as the picture up on the screen shows, if you can see it, the windmills, those are actually here in Illinois. But in 1991, the U.S. Department of Energy released a national wind resource inventory saying that three wind-rich states, North Dakota, Kansas, and Texas, had enough harnessable energy to satisfy the national energy needs. So three states would, have, would, be, would create enough harnessable energy to help the entire country. And if we, if Illinois even just puts more of these windmills up, we can also add to that so we wouldn't be relying on those three states. I think if the entire country as a whole started doing more solar panels, wind energy, more if you reuse your bottles of water. I'm, I don't know if anyone has seen the commercials online with the one reusable bottle of water replacing all the cups. That will save energy. That will that will reduce the amount that needs to be that needs to be produced. You can reuse it. It's recycling, things like that. We need to kind of think of more ways for us to renew our energy. Uh, I believe sometimes we, we feel helpless in this generation. Like, okay, what do I do? I'm going to school. I'm strapped for money. Um, you know, what am I going to go do? Plant a tree? Something like that? You know, we think of ridiculous things. Well, how am I going to help with global warming? But um, there is a website. There is teams out there uh, constructing constructing a new generation of being green and it's uh, greens for teens and um, it has all the information on there um, it has really awesome ideas for stuff you can get started with like little things like we've been talking about light bulbs blah 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 they have little things on there that uh, really can make a difference that you can start off with if you know we really need to jump start something with uh, global warming Yeah, I don't believe the hard, the switch will be that hard. Um, and like they said, pretty much these energy sources are available and they're pretty advanced. Um, 
Uh, yes, it's going to probably be somewhat expensive to establish all this, but after that, it'll be totally worth it. And uh, and there's all always this big talk about loss of jobs because of energy switching from like coal and nuclear to wind and solar or whatever. And uh, in my opinion, all those machines still need to be maintained and observed and built, even which will create m m way more jobs, in my opinion. Yeah, okay. blue-collar jobs at that. So, One other reason, um, real quick, that I think that we could lead the way with this, it's just like how, you know, Michelle Zorowski got this whole thing together and we had stations all around campus sending out individual emails um, to President Barack Obama. That's a very effective way, even though people may not see that it is. You know, we have probably over 100 emails, you know, within an hour's time. Not a mass email with 100 carbon copy names, but 100 single individual emails being sent to the president. And I think that as long as, you know, the citizens, we stay on President Obama's case, I think that he will deliver and come through as long as everybody is on the same page and everybody is a part of the solution to the problem. Uh, people also were saying, well, I didn't vote for President Obama, so whatever. Um, well, election's over, uh, FYI, and um, we need to focus on what's here and now and uh, what we can do better for not just the United States, the whole world. So, The commercial that Sarah was referring to... commercial that she was referring to so it just shows you the comparison of how much can be saved by using a reusable bottle and it's pretty easy you know one of the things that I know about water is that the water that we can get free from the fountain is actually a lot safer and healthier for you than bottled water is bottled water a lot of bottled water is actually not regulated so you're better off drinking the free water from the fountain and saving your money especially now when the economy is tight so just a little FYI one of my personal pet peeves uh, let me ask you guys another question. What do you think the new administration will do to combat global warming? Well, at least I hope they acknowledge the, fast, the fact that it, it exists, unlike other previous uh, leaders. Um, but more so, I, I hope that they begin to, the switch to clean energy, or at least start it off, you know. Um, and hopefully they can help educate the public about it and get everyone to put a little effort into it um, and basically just actually pull through and uh, maybe even help lower emissions. Yeah, that pretty much sums it up. You know, the main thing is education. People just need to be properly informed of what's going on, and I think that, you know, you just take it from there. Obama's green policy. Um, he's laid plan on um, reducing 
uh, energy use and then using more green sources and in having an 80% reduction of emissions by 2050 as well as um, yeah, planning on having more of our energy from renewable sources than just coal and oil. Well, according to the Presidential Climate Action Project, one of every ten people on Earth lives in a river delta, island, or in a low-lying coastal area that faces probable inundation um, due to rising sea levels, and they are expected to create millions of climate refugees as close coastal areas are lost. Ecological important wetlands drown and drinking water supplies are compromised. So at least this shows that they see that a probable cause, a, prob um, a problem is being caught, is being <laughs> yeah, and so at least they're they're making knowledge of it in hopes that they will actually do something about it. Because if all of these people, temper every one out of every ten people, that's ten percent of of the earth, not just the not just our nation, the earth's people are living in places that may become they may become refugees. They may lose their home due to the rising sea levels because of global warming. So at least they're acknowledging that there are problems and hopefully that they will actually do something about it. Um, as we can see up here uh, on this uh, graph, we see that um, the levels go up and down, let's say ice age, tropical ages, because that's what the world does. It just, you know, fluctuates. But um, since oil usage and um, other emissions, do I want to say, um, we see that it's not just level, it's, it's rising dramatically all the way up. And, um, and the, the climate change is still going up and down, but yet the whole temperature of the world is rising at the same time, which can cause catastrophic things as we, as we know. So, I mean, like hurricanes in New York. Can you imagine a hurricane in New York? I don't know. Not me. That'd be kind of crazy, but... Well, I'm glad that you guys have a positive outlook on our new presidential administration. Let's talk about Maureen Valley. What do you guys think that students, administrators, or faculty can do to help further positive change in climate change? Not good with administration. Well, I, <clears throat> well, I feel that uh, we definitely should have more recycling bins uh, overall. Uh, some of the statistics that I was looking at online showed that more than like 90% of the garbage in a school is recyclable. Um, so uh, to me that seems there should be at least twice as many recycling bins as garbage cans. Um, and obviously that's not the case. Um, there also could be like signs posted reminding people to recycle because obviously it's not something that you think about all the time, you know. Or at least most people don't. Um, also, I, I I believe there's a carpool program at the school. Possibly we could advertise that better or just generally have it more acknowledged to everyone. Um, also, just generally con possibly converting our public vehicles to low-emission vehicles. I know that's somewhat expensive expensive and unrealistic but I mean obviously it would have a very good effect on everything um, and maybe even uh, I've heard a few grade schools 
uh, putting solar or wind-powered uh, turbines uh, on their roofs or on their grounds to help reduce their energy usage, uh, obviously that would be a good idea as well. Um, just to touch on the last part of what he was saying, Moraine right now does have a program that's pretty new. It's called ZimRide, and it is a carpooling system. This is a great way that students, staff, faculty, whoever um, that has to get to the school on a daily basis could directly, you know, make an impact on what we're trying to do with sustainability here. The program is located right on the webpage, um, and you can go on there. It's connected to Facebook and also MySpace, so that there, if there are any people that live in the same vicinity as you or they're driving in the same route, um, you could request a ride or even put out there that you're willing to give a ride. So that's one thing that we could do here because I know everybody complains about the parking, how we drive around for 20, 30 minutes looking for a parking spot. So that's definitely one of the ways that you could alleviate having to do that and just jump in the car with somebody else even if you don't want to. Um, well, I agree about the recycling bins or, like, more recycling uh, bin thing, but like also I noticed that even though there's a lot now, people will yet put it like in a garbage can no matter what, just because they don't want to walk across the hallway or go outside or whatever it is, you know, just a small excuse that in the end, in the long run is a big effect. And not just that, I guess like spread the word, you yourself can make a difference, just if your friend is about to throw it in a garbage can, just tell them, you know, it doesn't hurt, just throw it in the recycling bins right there around the corner, go go throw it down there, you know, motivate your peers and stuff to keep the effect, I guess. I agree with what they just said. Um, I think we need a lot more awareness, as you said, about with the recycling. And, um, I mean, we can even work on, like, converting our a part of our um, school's... Um, <laughs> um, what is the word? Garbage? Sure. <laughs> like the garbage and using a com compost heap in like one of the fields over surrounding our school. I agree with what they're saying that we all do need to kind of make more awareness and I agree that they said that, you know, be proactive yourself. Tell your friends, hey, go go recycle that. It's okay. You don't have to feel like, okay, what, is 20 extra feet going to hurt you? Yes, the school does need more recycling bins. That's something that maybe they can work on. But, you know, maybe there are always new clubs forming every day. You know people are still going to throw away gar throw away recyclables in the garbage can. Why not, for instance, people join make a club that helps to go through the garbage. And it's a dirty job, but it's got to be done and go through the garbage that's being thrown out and help to make recycling, like a recycling club, something that kind of helps even if people are going to not necessarily recycle themselves, maybe help do it for them or, you know, be proactive, put flyers up, you know, carpool with people. That, that is a really great program that the school started with the carpooling. You know, use we have tons of books here. Maybe that maybe the library can start putting the catalogs online through the Moraine Valley website. We can expand our website so we don't have to have so much paper and books and you unused things that are here. Although we recycle, the people who work here recycle, but maybe not have so much paper that's already used in the school. Expand some of the online access to 
make more of the things that we can't get. Maybe that might help something or any ideas are good. Well, I want to thank you all for participating and talking to everybody. I know that can sometimes be very difficult, and so I appreciate you being on the panel. And I wanted to thank you all for coming as well and participating in the teach-in. I hope you all learned something and have a good teach-in day. Thanks a lot. Bye. I am Jessica Bonomo, and I am a wildlife biology major. I am Ari Duman. I'm a pre-med student. Ashton Jabber, and I'm a biology major. Kulo Hattar, and I'm a molecular biology major. I am a little bit single. I am a nursing major and a political science major. Hi, I'm Mike Carroll. I'm a biology major. Hey, my name's Ben Klopp, and I'm a psych major. Guys, thanks for thanks for being here. So, guys, this uh, video talked about global warming, but really the term now is more climate change. So, guys, what's the difference between global warming and climate change, and does it matter that there's a distinction? Actually, global warming is an overall warming of the uh, of the planet based on an average temperature over the entire surface. But climate change is changes in regional climate characteristics, including temperature, humidity, rainfall, wind, and severe weather uh, events. The difference between global warming is like in global warming, the global temperature of the planet goes up in a couple degrees. But in climate change, it's totally different because, for example, in Louisiana, you're used to a tornado, like not tornado, a hurricane category four or five at least once or twice a year. But but with climate change and with the problem in global warming, you're gonna get unusual weather. Not they're not you're, they're not supposed to be there, like a, a a big drought in the Midwest, uh, uh, a hurricane heading for Washington, D.C., or New York City, which could be really, really devastating. All right, guys, so what we're really talking about generally is climate change, which, which includes global warming. So, guys, what evidence is there? Do you guys have facts on what evidence there is for climate change? Well, a couple of the evidences is, uh, for instance, the uh, Environmental Defense Fund uh, has reported extended heat waves and droughts, uh, wildfires. Uh, they've been uh, more intense and more frequent within the past couple of years. Uh, if we bring it back home, uh, for instance, uh, the EPA released uh, the U.S. Climate Action Report in 2007, uh, reported that 2006, going on to 2007, was the hottest year we have ever recorded. A uh, few things that, uh, that impact us directly. Uh, for instance, we've had an, uh, an increase of, uh, of uh, wildfires, uh, hurricanes, which uh, to record are, are uh, the, the hardest that we've ever seen. So uh, if we go globally, we see that like uh, ice shelves in, uh, in, in uh, I believe it was uh, Greenland and Antarctica are melting at a rapid rate. Uh, certain things like that will affect us globally uh, because they will increase uh, water levels uh, that's something that we'll see down the line, but we are seeing the effects of them now, and uh, that's the thing that we need to uh, to help stop.
Another sign of global warming is like there's a lot of mosquitoes that are not usually here, like in in states like Montana, Illinois, Indiana, that are not really prevalent. But there's like there's an increase in the mosquito population that's going up from the southern states all the way to the northern states that will bring diseases like malaria, yellow fever, and other diseases that are like really bad. <laughs> might help if the microphone's on. Um, the coral reefs are drastically depleting, and coral reefs are very, very sensitive to temperature change, so the fact that they are depleting so rapidly is showing that there's something dysfunctional in the Earth's homeostasis. Well, Just to add on what you were saying uh, about the wildlife, the National uh, Wildlife uh, Federation is reporting that there's a great migration of animals from the equator, uh, northern, to, to both the North and South Poles. So uh, if, if we are looking for evidences of global warming, looking at the animals and how they react to the subtle climate changes is a pretty good indicator of where we're headed. Another... Another evidence of global warming that's happening on the planet is the number of algae blooms or red tides that's happening throughout, uh, around the oceans throughout the globe. Um, this red tide phenomenon has been seen in places that are not usually supposed to be there, like San Diego, California, uh, Beijing, um, China, places like, places like they're not supposed to be there. So guys, if there's evidence that global warming is really happening, um, if you look at this Pew, Pew poll here, uh, this is from January of 2009. So they asked Americans to rate their top priorities of things they worry about for 2009. And if you can look here, out of 20 things to worry about, right, where's global warming? Way on the bottom. So what are some reasons that people reject global warming? Well, I feel the reason that so many people reject global warming, especially in the United States, is that many people are in denial and also take our necessities such as food, water, and the air as we breathe for granted. If one is hungry, there's many places where they could travel so fast to go get their food. Anyone, you guys could go to McDonald's right away to drive through, get your food in minutes, a matter of minutes, as well, as well as water. There's many, there's many faucets where you can get your water, water fountains, and just people in the United States, we take these and we fail, we fail as citizens to realize how important these necessities are, that they are to us. So when one hears there's a, there's a problem, that we just forget about it. We don't, we don't care. Uh, well, I guess some of the reasons people reject global warming, uh, basically it's, uh, it's not a front burner issue to us. It's not something that we see we need to actually put an effort to change. Uh, we're pretty much comfortable with the way we live our lives, uh, with the cars we drive, with the type of food we eat. And in order to, uh, to, to have some kind of effect on reversing uh, this problem, uh, we would have to put in some effort to, to try to uh, reconfigure the way we live, uh, the things that we do. Uh, one thing that I've noticed, uh, I wasn't really into this whole global warming thing. My teacher kind of got me involved into it, uh, the whole climate change issue. But if we all implement small changes, then we can sort of impact the, the issue a lot better as a society. So. 
Um, I think that a lot of people don't necessarily reject the fact that the planet is heating up. It's they reject the fact that we have anything to do with it. A lot of people tend to argue that the Earth goes through cyclical temperature changes all the time, but what they don't realize is that usually those drastic changes in temperature take place over thousands and thousands of years, whereas our change has taken place over the past few centuries. Well, um, there's a few big reasons, and a lot of people don't take it as their top priority to, you know, go out and do something about the changes that we're seeing. People like to do things that make them happy and fulfill them, and changing their daily habits isn't something that make people happy, usually. And another reason, it's kind of costly. To drive a more gas-efficient car, You a lot of times you have to upgrade and spend the money to do so. Um, also, light bulbs, Energy Star products. Everybody can buy little things or do a little bit different to make a difference. But a lot of people reject doing these kind of things because it's out of the ordinary. Just to add what he was saying about buying electric energy saver products, even though we have an economy situation right now and we feel like they're expensive right now, but these products will pay for themselves in a matter of years. So basically after like an energy light bulb, that will repay for itself in a couple of months, just about the energy it saves in your house. Aside from buying um, energy-efficient light bulbs, there's a lot of things you could also do at home. You could put in proper insulating so your house wouldn't use as much gas or produce as much heat as needed because, like, if you didn't have proper insulating in your house, some of those heat that's being produced by your furnace could just pretty much get outside. Is there anything else you would say to people who reject global warming? Are we pretty much covered it? No. Okay, it can save you money. Like, who wants to spend money on gas? It's getting pretty expensive at some time. So if maybe you could ride your bike, which is also, like, can benefit your health. I rode my bike to school. I rode my bike to school many times last semester or over the summer. Uh, what about, like, future generations? You want your kids and your kids' kids to live in a healthy environment. What about technology when... Back in the day, we didn't have technology, and they made advancements. If they didn't do that, where would we be today? So in future generations, they're going to expect us to have done something about this problem. Find the facts, be the leader, and not the follower. If everyone thought the same and didn't take action in the, global war in the climate change, the resistance of being able to change would be greater. The more people working to decrease climate change, the greater the effect. Guys, what about the ethics of it? Because in the U.S., we produce 25% of the emissions, but only have 5% of the world population. We only have 3% of the oil in our country, and yet we use 25% of the world's oil stores. Do we have an ethical or moral responsibility to uh, reduce our carbon emissions and oil consumption? Uh, well, speaking morally, uh, I guess we uh, we can plainly look at the definition of acting morally. Uh, it's conforming to, to rules of right conduct. Uh, as 25% of, of the world's uh, of users of the world's oil stores, uh, I think it's up to us to be able to uh, make those first changes, those first pushes, 
in order to implement some kind of system that would be able to uh, replace what we're using now. Uh, obviously, the, the, the methods that we're, we're taking, the things that we're doing, they're, they're more harmful than helpful. Uh, might seem the, uh, as if it's working the other way around, but uh, the evidences that we have for global warming uh, seems to tell us differently. Just one thing I want to add to that is, uh, I mean, w we keep on saying that it's not affecting us. Uh, people say that uh, the actions that we're taking are hurting other people, innocent people at the other end of the world. Well, the, the things that we're doing, they're going to impact us. I mean, this is a global issue. So as one of the largest consumers, we should be the ones who are, are pushing on the front line, trying to find a different way to, uh, to, to find the energy that we need. Okay, even with the recession today, the United States is still pretty much the world's superpower, military, politically, economically, and culturally. If we can see it right now, some of the American music are pretty much spread around the world. But the thing with global warming is like, if the United States does it first here, and eventually other countries like China, France, England, some of the developing countries will eventually follow, their, uh, follow the United States suit and pretty much help us around. As they've said and everybody knows, we obviously are the biggest consumers of, car we're, we're the biggest producers of carbon emissions, and we certainly should have a moral responsibility to do something about it, but it never has been on the top of our to-do list, and by educating people, we need to get it out there and make sure that the White House and everybody is doing something about it. I think it should be required to recycle to, you know, do little things to make our lives, make our lives and our world a better place. Some of the things I feel that a lot of people don't even know, realize that this is happening, that global warming exists, and when they reject it, but just going back to the fact that they don't want the moral situation, they don't realize what they're doing when they litter, if they don't recycle, they don't they don't know the facts. Yeah, that was. About a few years ago, uh, a British economist class politician made us uh, made a study. His name is uh, Lord Byron Stern. He says that it would take one percent of the country's GDP just to fix the problem with global warming, but it would, it would take around 25 to 28 percent of a country's GDP. That's a country's total, how much a country makes in a single year. The United States makes around $14 trillion in its GDP. It would take around, I guess, $140 billion just to solve the problem with global warming, but it would take around $3.5 trillion to solve the problem if we don't fix the problem with global warming right now. I think that we do have a moral reason to do something about the problem because, I mean, in China, there's smog all over the place. People wear masks. People can't go to work. And here we don't see it, so we don't feel that we do. But eventually that could happen here, and then maybe people will start doing something about it. So guys, what would the future look like if we don't take the lead in reducing uh, greenhouse gases? Okay, well obviously the temperature is changing 
which can cause uh, the ocean's temperature to change and lower the ocean pH, which affects the wildlife in there. Um, the spread of diseases will spread quicker. Melting ice caps uh, will cause the sea levels to rise and people's homes will be at risk. Uh, wildlife uh, on land will be at risk. Uh, changes in precipitation, there will be flooding in areas, drought in other areas, uh, unnatural. Uh, we may see changes in frequency and intensity of extreme weather, such as tornadoes and hurricanes. And I don't know if anyone's seen the movie WALL-E, but people end up going on a spaceship and leaving Earth because living on Earth is uh, unsustainable. One of the biggest problems with global warming is pretty much the melting of the polar ice caps. That will increase the amount of sea level we have. If ha more than half the world's population lives pro probably around 10 miles away from the sh any shore, cities like New York, Washington, D.C., Bang uh, countries like Bangladesh, Venice, they'll be all at risk if sea level rises if we don't start the problem with global warming right now. And approximately... Three, like three billion of the world's population will be will have to for, would would be forced to move out of their homes and move somewhere else that would put more strains on the resources we have. Like we can't feed a population of that's moving around 100 million. Oh, and this graph here it shows. And this graph here shows the amount of sea level rise with, uh, from around 2000 to 2100. You can see the amount of sea rise would probably be around... So what it shows right now is from 1800 to the present how much the sea levels have already risen and then projected, if we do nothing, uh, how high they will get in the year tw 2100. Uh, while we're on the topic of uh, sea level rising, uh, the, the issue with global warming with climate change is that the global temperature is, is heating up. The, the excess temperature, uh, as reported in the Arctic Climate Assessment Impact, published by Cambridge University, uh, they predict that the Arctic uh, Ocean will be free of ice by 2050. Uh, the ice shelves in, uh, in Greenland will be completely gone. Antarctica, uh, there's huge shelves that are already melting off, uh, which can have devastating effects on uh, coastal cities. Uh, people living there would have to migrate. Uh, this all in turn ties to our economy. And uh, just like the previous question, what we have morally, uh, our moral obligations not only to ourselves uh, now but to, to the future, uh, that uh, change is needed. Uh. In the near future, if global warming is not checked, we'll probably see more unusual weathers like tornadoes in Chicago, more frequent hurricanes that heading coast, the coast like Louisiana, Washington, and other cities. What we see this graph up here, what we see is the increase in temperature between 1880 and 2000. We have some more graphs here where we talk about the CO2 levels increasing. So on the left we see from minus 600,000 BC to minus 100,000 BC, you see fluctuations. Right? We know there are fluctuations, but 
Um, if you look at between 8,000 B.C. and 2,000, right at the very end we have a spike, and that spike is man-made. And projected CO2 levels are, uh, right now are in the graph on the right. And so if we do nothing, we are, we are significantly going to impact our, our climate because of CO2 levels. There, but CO2 is not the only greenhouse gas. There are other ones as well. We have more graphs there. Methane. Methane is also a potent greenhouse gas, and you see the levels rising of that as well, and nitrous oxide as well. So all three of those gases together combine to, to heat up the planet. So is your generation ready to take on this problem? And if so, how? I guess the biggest thing that, that I've seen is uh, the past uh, election year, uh, everybody I know uh, here uh, across the globe, we all got into the whole uh, political process. We were all excited. You know, uh, we were able to make change. Uh, we did elect President Obama. I think what we need to do is, uh, as young people, get re-excited, reinvigorated, and into this uh, climate change problem. Uh, I think we need to put pressure uh, on ourselves to, to make the small changes we need to on our uh, families, on our neighborhoods, uh, in schools. But I think we need to get in touch with our congressmen, our senators, let our government know that it's time for national change. And hopefully by doing that, we can uh, start off a chain reaction, so to speak, uh, get other countries involved. I mean, I have to agree with you. Everyone needs to just get out there and speak their mind. As young people, we usually don't have a problem speaking our minds at all, but make sure that you get educated before you start preaching to people about global warming. There's a million websites out there, you know. We should have no problem trying to fight for this. As my friend was just saying, the 60s, they had their Vietnam. Before that, we had the Revolutionary War, and we had to fight for freedom. Well, this is our fight. Our generation is fighting for our planet, and if we don't do it, it will not be here for future generations. Uh, something else we can all do to take a positive role is write to local businesses and to the president and tell them how we feel. Tell them to change their ways, use more energy-efficient materials. Right outside the library right now, you can go and email uh, President Obama. All you have to do is fill out your email address, zip code, and just press send. And that's a good way to make it known that we want to deal with this issue. So on a day-to-day -day level, what can we do? Well, I guess the, the, the simplest thing we could do, I mean, uh, there, there's a hundred things that we can implement. Uh, a couple things uh, we could start doing today. I mean, uh, instead of using plastic bottles, plastic bags, I mean, we can ditch the plastic for, uh, I mean, not only is it detrimental to our environment, but to our health as well. Uh, we can start using aluminum, start using glass. Uh, also with that, we can start recycling more. Uh, instead of throwing your piece of paper in the trash, you know, throw it in the recycling bin. That will get reused. Uh, you'll save energy, uh, save some trees, which are pulling CO2 and other gases outside of, uh, from the atmosphere. A uh, couple things, a couple of other things. Uh, we talked about CFL light bulbs. Uh, they're more efficient than incandescent light bulbs. Uh, they uh, they run about 60% more effective. 
Um, Okay, this water bottle right here is a good example. Instead of buying plastic water bottles, which if used over a long period of time or if kept in the heat, the plastic uh, components of it can leak into the water. This is stainless steel, and the top here is uh, it's non-leaching plastic, so it doesn't go into the water. It's safe, it's healthy, and you can just keep washing and reusing it. Instead of wasting money and you know possibly hurting your health by using a plastic that will leach into the water. Um, you can also like take shorter showers or don't run the water as often like when you're brushing your teeth and just turn off the water. You can buy minimally packaged goods, carpool when possible, um, recycle. I recycle like crazy. I dig through my garbage at home because my family doesn't like to recycle and I dig it out, wash it and put it in the recycle bin. I guess one additional thing, I mean we, we use electronics like crazy. So uh, I guess that's kind of everywhere. The, the simplest thing you could do is, I mean, if you're not using an electrical appliance, just unplug it from the wall. That does save, uh, save energy. Uh, it's not sucking all that, uh, that wattage out, out for you. But another thing is, uh, you know, washers, dryers, anything on those lines. If it's not necessary, you don't need to use it, it's not full, whatever, uh, you know, just uh, let it be, so to speak. Uh, the more we can kind of cut back here and there, it might not seem like it's making a difference, but when you tally all, this, all those things up, it will reduce uh, uh, greenhouse gas emissions. Recycling is one of the easiest things we can do. Around campus, there's recycle bins everywhere, and people don't make an effort to throw in a um, can in a recycle bin or plastic bottle in the plastic bin. Instead, they just throw it in the garbage because they don't want to walk across you know, the other side of the hallway or go look for a bin. Just carry it around with you until you see one. It's very easy to do, and a lot of people just don't even bother to make it a priority or even think about it. Okay, you can do three things. Remember the three R's. Reduce, reuse, and recycle. Reduce your waste. Don't buy something that you know cannot be recycled. Reuse something, like the example of the water bottle. Buy some containers or things that you can reuse. Recycle, like when you're done using something and it has that recycle symbol on there, you recycle it. That can be reused. Um, going to or like local or organic food stores, that can, uh, it reduces like carbon emissions because you're not driving or the people from the stores aren't driving to other stores to bring the food to other places. Just to add, just to add one thing, uh, the U.S. Uh, Climate Action Report in 2007 said, that uh, current and future greenhouse gas emissions are in direct relation to human activities. So I guess one thing we will kind of want to plug over and over again is uh, just by doing small things, uh, you might do a couple of things. Uh, if each one of us changed the habit, you know, in this library, if we continue to add that, as a nation we can have a great impact. Uh, we need to be role models, uh, not only for ourselves, uh, but uh, that our leaders can see that we do want to change and hopefully that's something that we can bring about. So that's what we can do. What do we expect out of our current administration? Uh, 
Actually, President Barack Obama promised to establish a, a na nationwide system for uh, carbon dioxide uh, emission, and the plan is to reduce emission to the 1990s level by 2020, and additional 80% by 2050. And also, uh, there is a plan to invest $15 billion uh, per year in host of uh, ener uh, energy uh, projects, including uh, solar, wind, and nuclear energy. And uh, he also said that these investments will uh, counterbalance the, eco uh, the economic impact uh, and uh, of forcing invest investors to uh, reduce the carbon dioxide emission. So basically, Obama's administration will strategically invest $150 billion over the next 10 years to rebuild America towards a clean energy future, also help create millions of new green-collar jobs, working to preserve our land, protect national parks and forests, and conserve new lands and restore the Great Lakes and restore the wetlands. I guess uh, she was talking about 80%. Uh, that is true. The uh, American Association for Advancement of Science, uh, it has called for an 80% reduction by 2050. That might seem like a huge number, but it's only 2% a year. Uh, if we can manage to get CO2 levels down consistently 2% every year, uh, the goal isn't that far-fetched. Uh, from the EPA reported from 2006 to 2007, we did reduce by 1.6%. Uh, mainly that was because of uh, faltering uh, uh, production, manufacturing, but hopefully we can uh, try to find a solution to make that uh, uh, reduction permanent. What about here on campus? What do we expect from our administrators or our professors? Is there any way to get it into the curriculum without it seeming like overkill to people? Okay, well, here at Marine, I don't know if you guys know, but there's a few things that they're already doing. There's this program called SciRides, where you can carpool with other people. Uh, it's available on Facebook and MySpace, and what you do is you can either request a ride or say that you're available to pick up people. You can, like, say whether music is okay, smoking's okay, yada, yada. Um, at the bookstore, they have recycled products. The bags that they use are 25% recycled. Uh, we have plastic bottles and aluminum can. Uh, like recycle bins outside which I think should be more readily available. Um, we should be using recycled paper and recycling the paper that we already use. We could um, have textbooks online, use incentives for students to recycle or go green. Stop using paper mail like instead of sending, like we stopped sending grades through the mail, we did it online. I want to also add composting. It seems complicated, but it's really very simple to implement, like in a school-wide setting, especially if you post signs, like educating people what can and cannot be composted. And we could even use that old driving range to make a compost heap, which can be sold also as organic fertilizer. We could also, like I said, go local with the foods that we use. So like in the cafeteria, we can get foods from local uh, farms or stores around here. Uh, we can maybe, like, use solar panels for the energy. Another way, good way to save on against uh, global warming is, like, a simple thing as, like, paper. Uh, when we make photocopies in some places, they just 
printed on one sheet and leaving the other side pretty much empty. But some some places, um, like, like Moraine, they're implementing right now. They're doing a f they're doing on both sides just to pretty much save at least more than fifty percent of the paper they're using. Yeah, you could also save on your test if you want to. So, how do you think if we don't address climate change, how do you think it will affect our economy and the global economy? I guess the most obvious way is uh, if we have um, a wild uh, global environment that will that ties hand in hand with our global uh, economy, uh, we won't be able to uh, operate a uh, successful uh, free market economy the way that we do now if we need to spend all that extra money, all the extra resources we have on combating the effects of global warming, which are so important that we deal with now. Uh, we already seem to be having a, a global financial crisis. By ignoring these, these problems, by uh, waiting till later to invest in them, uh, it will only be a bigger price tag associated with, with, with the solution. Um, using, like, going green, going energy efficient is upfront more money, but in the long run it saves us money, and it can also create more jobs for the people which can stimulate the economy. Like what I said a, a, a while ago, it's like about Stern's data. It takes 1% of a country's GDP just to fix the problem against global warming. It would take 28% of a country's GDP just to solve the problems if we don't take care of uh, countries um, of, of against the things that global warming will bring. Um, there's also like, for example, in climate change, there's going to be a lot of shifts. For example, in the Midwest, we're kind of used for the temperate climate, good for farming. And a couple of years from now, 30, 40 years from now, this is all, most of the Midwest will pretty much be what looks like the Sierra, Sierra Nevada desert. We can't grow crops. We can't grow anything here, pretty much. But it's really big because the Midwest is pretty much the, not only the United States breadbasket, it's pretty much the world's basket. A lot of crops grown here pretty much serve a lot of people worldwide. And if you lose the Midwest, it's pretty much big trouble for everybody else around the world, not just us. Do you think your perspective of climate change is different if you're uh, in a different culture, or is it shaped by culture? I would have to say it's completely shaped by culture. We live in a very consumer-based society. I mean, you can't really go anywhere without being bombarded with advertisements that say to buy this or this. And 95% of the time, it's something you don't really need and you end up wasting anyways. Whereas you look at other cultures, indigenous cultures, such as like Native Americans, they're screaming out for people to respect our Mother Earth. So, they, I mean, they've been working for us to protect our planet for hundreds and hundreds of years. Is there anything else you guys would like to add? Any final words? It's really easy for everybody to just change a little thing. Everybody recycle a little bit. Everybody change one light bulb in your house to an energy efficient one and save 60% just from that one thing alone. They're not that expensive. It's not that hard to do. Just change everybody change a little thing and we will see results recycle Woo! <laughs> like like what other 
members here said, even doing the the smallest thing will really help us a lot because if we don't do it right now, if we don't change, we're not going to lose just pretty much the, what, what we have right now. We're going to lose the plan, if not for us, but for the rest of the for coming, succeed, coming succeeding generations of people. And this is pretty much the only planet we have, and we can't risk losing it, too. The way I look at global warming overall is imagine the world is your body. Like, we eat all kinds of food, the cheap food, and if we just treat our body differently, like buying more expensive things, it'll help us in the long run. Like bu buying bulbs, they can save us more energy in the long run. You'll save it in your, uh, in, you know, in your bank and all that. The same thing, what also you can do is uh, tint windows in your house because during summertime when it gets hot, all the heat will get inside the house and you'll just raise your uh, air conditioning. You can just spend like, let's say, $800 and you'll get that money back in three years. And on top of that, you'll save on money. So the same way, just like later on when you uh, go like to fitness clubs or whatever, it's because you treated your body so bad in the long run, you'll have to spend at the end more money than you planned on. Are there any questions you guys have? Well, just off the, with the whole rent-a-bike thing, the, I think there's certain policies that we could implement, we could take from other countries, uh, but as we said earlier, it is uh, tied to the way uh, we view this problem as a culture. Uh, I think the best way to, to, to try to handle this problem is to implement the best, pro the best policies that we can at, up front uh, in order to get people involved and motivated and at the same time uh, begin changing the way people view this problem. Uh, I guess, for instance, with the example of uh, the rent a bike, we can have that around, but as Americans, I mean, we're, we're not used to uh, uh, using that kind of uh, transportation system. Uh, I think a couple of other things are involved. I mean, we do travel greater distances than France. Uh, one issue that I do like is the farmer's market. That should be something that we do promote. That should be something that uh, everybody should be uh, involved in. Uh, there's a couple of other things that I think we could implement right away. Uh, I think that the government's on the right track. Uh, what Obama wants to do, I think uh, if we give him a little time uh, with, uh, with the investment in uh, green, uh, green jobs and such, we would start seeing a trend. Uh, the biggest thing I think to start off is individual people making small changes and hopefully the government will catch up with us later on. I, I think it's more about the people um, and every country is in a different state 
and there's different rules or people just think differently. So I think it's more about the people and the government and the shape of the wherever you're at, at as to where and how you go about doing something for the environment. I mean, you look at America and obesity is a real big problem. So, I mean, how many people are going to start riding their bikes? Not a lot. Uh, it's hard work. Like, going from my house to here is probably like a mile or two, and the first few days are really hard. So not everyone's willing to do that. It's just so much more easier to get in the car and go. So, And the farmer's market, like, I don't even know that many people. Like, I know my family sometimes does in the summer, but it's so much harder to go there. It's more expensive, and it's not really publicized and advertised. Hello. <laughs> uh, it's like pretty much have to do with how how the American people think. It's like when we need food, we just go to the local store and grab something to eat. When we need to go somewhere, we just hop on our cars and just pretty much drive over there. When we need something, we just get uh, get it pretty much. We don't need to really work for it. Unlike in other countries, like they really have to travel miles just to get something. It's just pretty much how the hum uh, the American psyche is. But in my biggest, op uh, in my own opinion, that needs to change pretty much if we need to solve if we're going to solve this problem. I believe part of it is too the size, because the size of how big America is. Um, the part I saw when I went to Germany. The way they recycle, what they do is uh, they charge you for every bottle that you buy extra, even cans. Let's say I bought a can for 25 cents extra, so the price is a dollar, bought for dollar 25, and then you have to go back to the store, give them back the actual can, and you get the 25 cents back, or unless you buy and purchase the same thing again. But if we do this here, I believe it would be a huge difference affecting like all of America because it was so big and then um, people wouldn't want that because if you make a vote paying extra and then you have to actually bring back a certain thing not everybody would do that saying like compared to Germany which is such a smaller country which we could make it even like a state to make it in a state it would be much easier but in the whole country of like America it would be like a huge difference And like like they said in the video, the first 100 days thing, if something doesn't get done in that time, it's not going to because in the first 100 days, uh, the president and his Congress and all them, they can make a difference. And if it's something that the people don't like, that gives time for the general population to forget about the problem, forget about something that wasn't popular. So... After that 100 days, after the time is up, it's not a popular choice to do because they're afraid of not getting reelected. So, I think the Obama administration, I mean, Obama has attracted a lot of the young generation, the population. So being that it's such a big issue with the younger people, I think that it will become an, a bigger issue and things will be getting done differently this time around. Any other questions from the audience?
electrical, mechanical, in terms of the healthcare industry or separately? Well, yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, it's a sanitary issue. Uh, I think one thing that could be implemented is uh, not only thinking of recycling, but the kind of energy that we provide, for instance, hospitals, clinics, uh, try to cut back on uh, uh, on uh, the pollution and uh, the energy expenditure that we do use. Uh, for instance, you know, the one thing about being in the United States, I mean, it's relatively, you know, you look at a map, it's it's half the world. Uh, we're divided into all these different regions. I think we should start beginning to exploit the, the clean energy sources that we have uh, in order to, to help aid these different uh, sectors of our public uh, uh, of our public market. Uh, one thing that I, my personal opinion, is uh, we need to utilize, for instance, like in Illinois, Central Illinois, we have a lot of wind turbines. Uh, I think we need to increase that, invest more in that, uh, help uh, supply energy to hospitals, houses, businesses, whatnot, uh, down uh, southern uh, United States. Solar energy, we should put more money into that. Uh, you know, we have uh, southwest United States, you know, water power. There, there's a lot of different ways that we can get all these different uh, means uh, working together to try to replace uh, the, the uh, demand we have for oil, for plastics, uh, you know, as a whole. I think in the healthcare industry is probably not being addressed right now in particular. And I think we have a certain expectation as a people to get health care that's sanitary and clean, and so that's why we use so much disposable. So in that particular front, we probably don't have so much to give, but if the rest of, the, of our culture could change in their con consumption, you could maybe still keep the higher levels of the health care that you would expect, and overall you're still reducing uh, the emissions. Are there any other questions? Good question. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you very much to the panel. You guys did a great job. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you to Troy Swanson uh, in the library here, Michelle Zorowski. And, guys, thank you very much for coming. So just if we can all, if we can reach a critical mass, I think, is what we need. And you young people are the key, right? So I think things are changing. Awareness is changing. And you guys are part of that critical mass. So, guys, if you just go right out front and send that little email to Barack Obama, and see if he can make some changes in the first 100 days. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this Moraine Valley Community College Library event podcast. For more information, visit www.morainevalley.edu library.